Did you know that e-commerce only accounts for 10% of retail in North America? Today's guest is going to talk about how to get to that other 90%. Using her strategies, Amazon sellers are now selling in big box stores like Walmart, Target, Nordstrom's, and more. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And we've got a serious seller in-house today here at Helium 10 headquarters. Karen, Karen, how's it going? Woohoo! I'm great. All right. So you're excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on here. Well, we're going to talk today about something that I think is very important that a lot of people selling on e-commerce have overlooked or they think is old fashioned, but it's very relevant today. But before we get into that, what I always do with the guest is we're all, no matter what aspect of e-commerce we're in, we're all kind of in this thing together, but we all come from different backgrounds, different origin stories. And we, we've had people who study to be lawyers and doctors and models and race car drivers and things. So I would love to hear your origin story. Like I know you live in a San Diego area now, just like me, but did you grow up in San Diego or where, where did you grow up? Oh, life story. Okay. Yes. My background is I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area. Actually, I moved to New York, um, back in early two thousands. And that's when I started, you know, selling products to retailers. We'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. Um, and so basically I lived in New York for many years, Miami, all these different places. I eventually ended up in San Diego cause it's so beautiful. Yes. Perfect so weather. Perfect weather all the time. Where did you uh, go to college? I went to UC Santa Barbara. UC Santa Barbara. That's, is that the, and, and that's not the anteaters or gauchos or Anna. gauchos. Gauchos. Oh, I yes, almost, I almost yes, had yes. it. All right. Nice cool. work. Nice work. So, um, what did you, anyone's asked me that ever hey, in the history. I, I love like podcast. doing mascots and, and, <laughs> and figuring out people's backstory. What was, what was your gaucho major over there? Uh, my actual major was communications. Okay. So, so what did you envision? Like I'm assuming you the had reason a vision. I did that, that was because I started in BusyCon and then um, the internet was this new thing that was hot and a lot of people were making money on it. And it was back, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, aging myself, but basically um, that's, we started learning how to create websites. This is a, like a really, really new thing. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, for business and stuff like that. So I switched my major over to communication to learn all about the internet and making money and stuff. And I was in the dot com era, right. Mm -hmm. During that, that really super hot time there. So as soon as college ended, I went back to San Francisco and, played in that space. So that's why I was super excited about learning everything there was to know about the internet and online and what was going on there and stuff. And that was before 2000s. <laughs> All right. We're, we're we'll not, you can't know. have any, well, you, you graduated college when you were five years old. Yeah. Well, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for having <laughs> me. I appreciate you. <laughs> All, right. All right. So now, um, that that's interesting. You, you, you were kind of in the, the e-commerce game as it was starting or the internet game, but that, like, how did it shift towards a focus at any time, if it did ever into e-commerce. So essentially retail was the thing that I was most fascinated with. Mm -hmm. uh, I always wanted to move to New York and work in the fashion industry. Mm. I don't know why. I just, since I was a kid, had this weird thing. I wanted to live in New York. I wanted to sell stuff to retailers. Maybe I used to buy stuff from store. I don't know what it was, but it was always fascinating to me. And I eventually did that. I I went back to San Francisco, you know, worked in the tech field. I was just so bored. And I just finally decided I was going to go to New York and launch this thing. And that's how it all started. I actually worked for a manufacturer 
um, selling products to the big chain stores um, as a rep. And so that's mm-hmm. how it started. So guys, that's kind of like what we're going to be talking about today is, is the traditional, you know, like brick and mortar and, and retailers and things like that. You know, now a days it's like all the rage is, Hey, it's all about Amazon. It's all about online. But the fact is, yes, that's an opportunity, but it could be considered even bigger opportunity offline. So like, for example, you know, Karen, I'm not sure if you knew this, but my last job before Helium 10, I was a sales manager for a very large diet pill company. Now they were, you know, on infomercials and things. And, and I was mainly brought on to help them with Amazon, which I did, but it was funny. Like, you know, I was all proud of myself for, for bringing their sales on Amazon from like 1 million to 3 million a year. But then as a sales manager, I was in charge of their, their off, you know, their offline and they have accounts with, you know, Walmart and, and every, you know, Kroger and all those things. I would have POs come across my desk for just like, not all Walmart and not for the year. This is just like, you know, one, the, the, one month or two month for, for like the Western hemisphere in the mil, more than $1 million, $2 million for one SKU. Yep. So I think that people out there do not understand that. Yes. They hear these crazy numbers about how big Amazon is. Amazon is big, but it's still pales into comparison when you talk about the offline, um, you know, sales. And so that's what we wanted to talk to you about today. So first of all, a lot of our listeners are, you know, maybe Amazon sellers, Shopify sellers, eBay sellers. What, uh, in your opinion, is the stage at which somebody should start looking into expanding offline? Amazon sellers are fascinating in that they just came across an opportunity that um, seems to do really, really well with not, you know, it's a lot of work and it's, you know, Amazon provides the audience and, you know, mm-hmm, you throw mm-hmm. up some ads and you do your things and SEO and the certain aspects of it. And it, it generally converts in some way, a lot of times, you know, obviously there's duds and yeah. problems, but some, I've seen a lot of multimillionaires because of Amazon. Um, one of the things that Amazon sellers don't totally understand is that retail is not um, something to wait on. It's actually mm. something that I recommend people start working on the minute they start their businesses or early on. When they start early on, they can literally pick a product also knowing that that product would be good for retail. Cause when you're picking the certain products that actually really supports you in your long-term game, mm-hmm. I have found that customers who've done this have been able to sell their company off in a year or two, uh, making way more money because they had retail as an established yeah. portion of their distribution strategy. You brought up an interesting point. I think most of our listeners might have said, oh, well, the logical thing might be to build up my brand. And then that allows me to come in to a retailer with more or clout, you know, as it were. But on the flip side, like, again, my going back to my last company, you know, they didn't start on Amazon. They started off of Amazon. And because they're on infomercials, because they're in every Walmart and Kroger, there's people who don't want to go to Walmart and Kroger. They would just go to Amazon and buy it because <laughs> this is funny. One to $3 million of sales the average customer review, because these were health products, it was like 2.8 stars, which is like unheard of. And, you know, a private label server, like if I get anything less than 3.5 stars, my product is dead in the water. But because of that off Amazon demand, they didn't care about the stars. They, they wanted, they knew they wanted the product because it's what they normally get at Walmart, but Hey, maybe I just want to get it in my prime delivery. So that's an excellent point that it's never too early. Now that being the case, you know, on Amazon, if somebody's strictly a private label seller, there are different viewpoints. You know, sometimes people say, Hey, it's important to have a brand. You build a brand. Other people say, no, don't worry about the brand. Just, just do a one-off products, you know, here or there. But would I, would it be more safe to assume that when we're talking in the retail world off Amazon, it's almost always important to build a brand along with the the product or what, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think it depends on a case by case basis. Some products are really boring. Okay. Like the Amazon seller who found his niche selling umbrellas, the whole world is selling an umbrella. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you're going to go after retail, you're going to find some sexy angle to an umbrella that the buyer will actually pay attention to. If you have a product and you've been, you know, selling it on Amazon and there's this new version of that product because you guys are looking at reviews and you're looking at what customers are saying and you're making that next best version of an existing product. And that actually seems pretty unique to you and seems unique to the world. That's the time when you just take that product and let the buyer know about that unique, interesting version. Cause you could spend two years building out your brand, or you can find someone who actually has money to buy your product. And you simultaneously build out your brand while you're working with them. When mm. they are actually testing out your product, they are putting it in your, in their top 20 stores, top 50 stores. They're not taking your product and putting it at all their stores. They just want to make sure the product converts. Obviously here at Helium 10, we teach a lot of education about how to find opportunity on Amazon, how to find your product. And, and there's, there's kind of a, a, it kind of goes backwards as, as opposed to the rest of the e-commerce world where you're taught, Hey, do what you're passionate about or what you're very knowledgeable about on Amazon. It's different. You see, you got to go where there's demand, but there's, you know, the competition is just not doing that great. You know, maybe they all have bad reviews or they're very new or they don't know how to make listings. And, and that's, that's the kind of way we, we teach on Amazon. Because you, you can't, you can't be just passionate about a, a water bottle or make a new invention and have it be, have it be great on Amazon. You know, if people don't even know that exists, they're not searching for it. But I imagine from some of the things you've been talking about now, especially when you say, Hey, sometimes you just go into these, you know, to a buyer with a new idea and they might love it. So what is the product research strategy? I guess, like, let's say somebody is wanting to really be, um, attractive to a buyer or to right away get into the retail market? Is it, is it uniqueness of the product or, or how does somebody know what would be attractive to a big brand or box? Every box? product is different. And, and every person behind that product is different. I've seen the worst products in the world get into the world's largest retailers, not because of the product itself, because of the human behind the product. But if you're going to do market research and walk into a store, you're going to go to the section of the store that you want to sell into and you're going to look at what's going on there and you're going to say, what's the newer version of whatever's going on here? What's a, what's better than what is currently here? And that's what you guys are doing anyway on Amazon. I don't want to ask, you know, like details about specific strategy or like what to say to buyers, but just to give our listeners an overview of kind of like what the process is like, Hey, they're, they're ready. Maybe they're inspired by, by this right now. And they're like all gung ho. Like if they actually knew the process, what is an overview? Like, okay, Hey, I'm going to reach out, find out who's the buyer, send an appointment, go show my product. It's going to be a month. And then they, they decide if they want it. And then they cut a piece. I mean, what does that process look from like from A to Z just general overview? Like great question. But 10 years ago, internet showed up, things kind of, I mean, it's been around a while, but you know, like online selling became more of an established thing. And so the retailers were starting to get hurt. You know what I mean? Started to feel the retailers not making as much money. Um, what they realized was they needed to get the buyers out and not give them as much control. And so now the buyers change jobs every six months to a year. Hmm. So no matter what, even if you have the best relationship with that buyer, the buyer's not going to be there that long. Why? Because they, they move the buyer around to different categories to be better buyers and to also not give them any emotional connection like to the that, person yeah. who they're buying and selling and, you know, that relationship at all. So the way it works now is that the buyers a lot of times don't even meet you face to face. 
Hmm. They meet you face to face after you start making the money. Let me, let me ask you this then. Like, let's say somebody goes through that process. You know, it's a different ball game, obviously in the retail world compared to Amazon. Amazon sellers are used to, all right, I sell this product and in 14 days or less, I get my money for it. You know, that is, uh, I buy my product from my manufacturer. They, they got to unlock, but uh, on the retail side, it's, it's all, it's always on terms. Right. And, and on Amazon, again, they're used to like, Hey, uh, minimum, I, I do 15% margins, you know, I'm lucky I get like 30 to 40. So let's talk about those two things. What are the, the, the terms that retailers usually ask for? And then what have you seen as a profit margin? Totally separate things. So let's mm-hmm. talk about terms. Okay. So, um, before I say this, I'm going to explain the difference between Amazon and retail chains. Okay. The key difference is you can throw up a product and have a hundred units and you know, then you have to sell individually one by one to human beings. Yes. With the retail chain, they're giving you a purchase order of X number of thousands or whatever units, and they're actually going to pay you. So it's a very different game where you're like hoping that maybe you'll sell it versus you're actually getting a purchase order. That's number one difference there. Selling 10,000 units in one quick second every month is kind of exciting. So the next thing that you need to understand is that, and before I answer this, that you have to understand that retailers are not expecting that you have all the money in the bank to be able to pay for this, like in order uh, to be able to pay for the products and so forth. So there are parties involved who actually can help you with funding along the way, because most people wouldn't be able to function with giving all their cash over to the retailers, which I think is slightly different than Amazon. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, with, uh, with chain stores, there are third party companies who literally for you know, a percentage of the purchase order will give you all the money up front to make the product, sell the product and stuff like that. Once you get an order from a chain store. So margins are totally different than Amazon. So the way it works is it depends on the retailer and depends on the product, And it t- depends like on the category. Like for instance, like a washing machine or a dishwasher, there's like very little amount of money left over after shipping and, and that type of thing and how much the product is. So they don't have a lot of work to work with. Whereas like Something like a piece of jewelry costs absolutely nothing. It depends on the product and what they can squeeze out of that opportunity. So I find that a lot of times retailers come up with a lot of like things that are um, unique per retailer and unique per product based on what you can actually squeeze and also what the market will bear. It's like trying to say, oh no, but I make so much more, more money on Amazon. But yeah, but that's just one distribution strategy. The other one is different and you're making money on the volume. And there's so many, um, factors to that. Number one, the manufacturing costs can go down. Number two, the cool factor. Number three, more distributors know about you. All of a sudden you're the cool kid on the block. Um, number four, you can sell your company for way more because investors mm-hmm. are suddenly thinking that you're like way more interesting than you were before. Cause all your money is not just in Amazon. You're actually an established, you know, professional. Um, you're much more interesting and And also just in general, everybody's looking at your product now that it's in the stores, because if you looked at the volume of people who just go to target.com or bestbuy.com, I mean, these are the top websites in the whole world. The person who's buying on bestbuy.com is not necessarily a person buying on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Now, real briefly, because we're almost out of time here. This is a question I wanted to ask because I've seen both, both ways. We've been talking mainly today about dealing with buyers at retailers. When would somebody want to go to a broker instead of a buyer directly? Sometimes you have to, if you actually get a distributor to do a deal with you, find out who they work with all the other retailers. Like nobody ever does this. Call the distributor, find out what other retailers do you have a relationship with? And then 
find out who the rep is who's working on that within that distributor and use them, leverage them as a sales team for yourself. Mm-hmm. One other question I had here is thinking back, you don't have to give names or products or anything, but thinking back to, you know, the plethora of students that, that you've had, somebody who was making X amount on Amazon, like, Hey, uh, I was, I was selling $50,000 a year on Amazon. I was selling a million dollars a year. And then they got into retail stores and now their overall yearly income went to this. Can you think of any yeah, examples yeah. that stick I mean, in your head? To- I just posted something last night, actually. I have this one client named um, Alan and he learned how to get products into retailers. He now is in Walmart, Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, Crate and Barrel, Nordstrom, Nordstrom wow. Rack. Love it. Now, the very last thing, we have this section of the show we call the TST, which stands for TST 30 Second Tip. So, you know, take a, take, take a little bit if you need, but think about something that is valuable, that a strategy that you can give our listeners. It can be about obviously what we've been talking about or anything and all that, but it has to be within 30 seconds. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Tell me when. Ready, set, go. Product packaging for retail chains. Stop freaking out. I know you might have a white box and you've been only creating your product in a white box, which is probably why you're not selling to retailers because you don't need to change packaging for retail. All you have to do is go to the stores that you want to sell to. Go to the section of the store where your product would fit. Look at your competitor's products. If you have a mascara thing you're selling, go to where the mascara stuff is. Buy your top three competitor's products and packaging. Give it to your packaging guy. Tell him to copy it exactly. Just change the coloring and the wordsmithing and so forth. The buyer does not want you to create wild packaging. She wants you to make it exactly match what's in store. She's telling you what she wants. Love it. Love it. All right. Now we just went over tons of information, but that just scratches the surface of this whole game here. So if somebody would like to learn more about how to reach out to, to retailers or to, to become the next Allen, how can they find you? Where can they reach you on the internet? Okay. You ready for it? My website, retailmba.com, retailmba.com. Company, my company name is Retail MBA Brands. Uh, the phone number, if you have any questions, is 855-RETAIL-2. 855-RETAIL-2. Um, it's also listed on my website. You can always email us, Karen W at RetailMBA.com. Karen W at RetailMBA.com. Most of our programs are listed there. We do events. We have training systems. We have done-for-you programs, coaching and uh, we do have a done for you program for uh, people who already have a finished retail ready product. So we do a lot of stuff and I'd love to support you. And we are also doing a training, right? For Helium 10. Um, yep. So um, take a look at that if you want to learn more. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Uh, and the training she was talking about was in Freedom Ticket, guys. So make sure to check that out. If you're a Helium 10 user, you have open access to Freedom Ticket. So make sure to check in your modules for that module. So thank you so much, Karen, for driving all the way up here to, to come and record this in person. We learned a lot. I learned a lot today. And I'm sure our listeners felt the same. And I'd love to reach out to you maybe next year. Come back and, and see what you're doing then. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher, or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode.